this is Sam Black with Drafting Archetypes, and today I'm going to be discussing blue-green in Neon Dynasty. As always, the uh, notes are available at patreon.com slash draftingarchetypes for anyone who wants to follow along while I go over this, uh, this podcast. Big picture, blue-green quality in the format, little below average, average-ish, um, roughly comparable win rates to white-black below blue-black. Black, green, red, black, green, white. I think that blue green is very much uh, like an uncommon based archetype. It really thrives on good uncommons rather than good commons or like synergies of commons or something being kind of what's driving a player to play blue green. Cap attack wrecker, uh, which is the Ninja Turtle, the one three that uh, can remove its Death Touch counter when it damages an opponent to exile an artifact or enchantment. Blossom Prancer, the five mana 4-4 four, four reach that looks for a card, puts it in your hand or gains four life. Behold the Unspeakable, the saga that shrinks your opponent's creatures, then draws cards, then becomes a giant flying trampler. And Besager reaches Skyward, the four mana saga that searches for two forests and then becomes a giant reach creature are all pretty like comparable with strong rares. So it's a lot of power in the top uncommons. And then a tier down from that, you still have a lot of other good uncommons in blue and green. Most often, the reason that you're going to end up in these colors is that uh, there was some really, really strong uncommon that you took and prioritized, and that's why you're these colors. At common, it's interesting. The commons that have the highest win rate in blue-green the three cards that win the most in blue-green are all neither blue nor green. And even weirder than that, so the, the top three are Spirited Companion, followed by Imperial Oath, followed by Okiba Reckoner Raid. And the interesting thing about that is that Reckoner Raid and Spirited Companion are both cards that seem like they are a lot worse if you're splashing them than if you're reliably casting them in the early game, which says a lot about how good the mana is in blue-green, that people who are not playing very many black or white cards are still succeeding with these like cheap kind of off-color cards in their deck, um, where those, those cards are helping when you draw them. So I think that blue-green is an archetype that splashes well and frequently. I think that it's very rare that you actually play straight to color blue-green. I have done it, but in general, you're going to want to splash something. And I think that the reasons for that are that you have just an abundance of good fixing. Um, you have like card selection in the form of Community Spirits and the Modern Age. And then you also just have actual like mana fixing type cards uh, like Grafted Growth that you are inclined to play anyway because a lot of what Blue Green is trying to do is casting more expensive cards. If you're casting more expensive cards, you kind of want these like ramp cards and then you might as well play the ramp cards that fix your mana. And then as long as you have ramp cards that fix your mana, you might as well play powerful cards of other colors, especially since there are very powerful cards in other colors that you can splash. And also because you're playing this kind of like longer a little bit slower game, it's more important to have removal. So 
you end up being very strongly pushed to splash both additional powerful cards and additional cheap removal to make up for what blue and green doesn't have access to, taking advantage of all of the fixing that it does have access to. If you are not splashing, then it is more likely that you are playing something more of a tempo game. So let's spend a little bit of time talking about what's going on in blue-green decks that don't splash. So if you're not splashing, presumably you are trying not to play too many non-land mana sources in your deck, because if you were playing them, you would probably be using them to splash. It's more likely that you are leaning a little bit more on blue, uh, doing more of the like, flyers and ninja type stuff. Then green is playing kind of a like support role, or maybe it's just like offering you some really powerful cards. Like maybe you're kind of like a blue ninja base. Maybe you have a cap attack. Cap attack wrecker is a lot better if you have other ninjas so that you can use it multiple, multiple times. And so it's very likely that if you start a draft with Cap Attack Wrecker, you're going to prioritize ninjas more highly. If you prioritize ninjas more highly, you're going to be a little bit more blue-based. You're going to have more of the ninjas. You're going to have the ninja synergies where you have like network disruptors to get your ninjas through and stuff. So then you can end up in this like blue-green ninja tempo type space where you're using the synergies between your cap attack wreckers and your like moon snare specialists and moon circuit hackers and network disruptors in the modern age. And then if your deck is going very well, maybe you also have like Behold the Unspeakable or Blossom Prancer at the top end, giving you a lot of extra power and it's extra power in a form that if you ninjutsu it, you get even more power. So there's a lot of synergy in that space. Again, very, very, very uncommon based but if all that stuff comes together, it's going to be pretty good. So that brings us to the most successful commons in blue and green that are actually blue and green cards. And notably, the best performing blue or green common ahead of even the modern age, the best blue common, is Tamiyo's Safekeeping, which is the one blue mana instant that gives a creature its proof and indestructible and you gain two life. And it might be a little bit weird to think of that as the top green common. It's obviously not a game, a card that really carries a game by itself, but I think it's a card that's very, very important to most blue-green decks. And the reason is that blue-green is typically going to be playing from behind against... So blue-green is typically going to be playing relatively low impact and or defensive creatures early and then it's going to do some like more powerful stuff with some bigger creatures later and you have to think about how your deck is lining up against the decks that you're going to play against so some portion of the decks that you're going to play against are aggressive decks typically red sometimes blue black and those decks are generally beating you by getting early damage through and then often like killing the first creature that you try to stabilize with or having a kind of evasion that you can't line up very well with like menace or flying when you happen to not have a flyer or reach creature but menace can be really problematic for blue green uh, especially if you're in that space where you're playing from behind it can just make it hard to have enough creatures to like stop your opponent from kind of attacking around everything that you have uh, especially if you're in the space where you started with some sagas 
took some damage early. Then when your saga flips, it still can't block unless you get like another creature down. Maybe you do that, you hold something back, you play a second creature, your opponent has a removal spell, now you can't block at all. You take a bunch more damage. And when you're kind of this like more tempo-oriented blue-green deck, you might be able to end up in a space where you're like racing against the other aggressive decks, but you don't necessarily have like you don't have like reach. It's hard for you to like get damage out of nowhere. And so you just are often going to lose those close races. But Tamiyo's safekeeping is really, really good at swinging those races, buying you extra time, stopping their attempt to like get rid of your blocker and like letting you double spell to turn the corner. So I think that just in general, uh, it's really important with blue-green to have a good amount of life gain. And that's because, you know, the aggressive decks are generally going to be faster than you. You need to buy a little bit more time so that your larger creatures can take over the game against their smaller creatures. And so there's not all that much life gain available. There, there are other options, but Tamiya's Safekeeping is a good one. And then the like tempo play there is really big. When you're not playing against those aggressive decks, you're often playing against a multicolor, maybe something in the Esper space, maybe a green mirror. And in those spots, a lot of the time, especially if you're straight blue-green, your opponent is actually going to have a stronger late game than you are. Because a lot of the stuff that might exist in your blue-green deck is kind of like more expensive creatures, stuff like Harmonious Emergence, the enchant land that makes it a 4-5, and Tales of Master's Shiro, the 5-mana saga that gives you a 5-5 haste vigilance that puts counters on things before then. These just like high, and uh, the uh, Preserver, the 3-3 that puts a plus one, plus one counter on something. These kind of like higher impact, bigger number uh, mid-range creatures that are going to like line up well against smaller creatures. But if you're playing against these like Esper decks, they tend to be all like value creatures and removal. And they don't, they're kind of designed to uh, not care very much about the size of creatures, at least if the game is going the way they want it to be going. And so you end up in a spot where their goal is to just like answer your big creatures and then have cards left over because they've done things to just kind of accumulate value in the form of their like spirited companions, virus beetles, and pure oaths. And if they get to like answer all of your stuff, then they should be able to just like grind you out. Where you beat them is if you just have better card quality than them. Maybe you just like got a lot of uncommons or something. Or if you stick like a big thing that they can't answer and they end up needing to just like chump it with these creatures that they're trying to like, you know, have around as value generators. But the important point here is those decks generally have a lot of removal and a lot of it's like pretty expensive. Like they're going to be playing Repel the Vile, Tameo's Safekeeping, Twist Embrace type cards where if you play some kind of reasonably big threat, they spend their whole turn trying to answer it. If you counter that with the Tameo Safekeeping, play another threat. Now they're in a spot where it's really easy for you to just like keep pressure on them and hard for them to catch up. They might end up just like dying or needing to jump block or something like that. So I think TMA's safekeeping, basically blue-green does not excel at playing like an attrition game. It ends up needing to play a tempo game 
that it can struggle with against more aggressive decks, but it also cannot because it has like bigger things. But like fundamentally, you're just like big proactive more than you are like value reactive. And so the huge tempo swing from Tamiya's safekeeping ends up being really important in most of your games against a variety of strategies where it's like lining up pretty differently and you care about like different aspects of what it's doing, but it's important what you're doing. So uh, the numbers don't lie there. It makes sense that the Tamiya safekeeping has the stats that it has. I think that if you're like really seriously like that kind of blue-green deck where you are more about like tempo rather than being about value and having some kind of like inevitability engine and stuff like that. You want to prioritize Tamiya safekeeping to the point where you should be looking to play multiples of them, especially if you're playing some of those like creatures, like those cards where the value is I spent four or five mana and most of what I got out of it is just a creature that needs to stay in play. And, you know, that, that would also describe like the Skyswimmer Koi, for example. And any of those, just like if you have a four mana creature and it didn't draw you a card, you're probably invested in it staying in play. And so you probably have Tamiya's safekeeping. Other good cards are a little bit more normal. Let's see. The top blue commons, Modern Age, Moon Circuit, Hacker, Moon Snare Specialist, Suit Up, Tamiya's Completion, Network Disruptor. Same cards they are in any like of the blue archetypes. You're not really like that synergy based that things are going to be you know different than that. Tamiya's completion is probably a little bit better in this archetype relative to some others because you don't have as much removal and it's important to be able to deal with some stuff because you're a little bit more likely to end up playing slightly longer games. And again, you just have fewer options. And then in green, you're looking at like Tamiya's safekeeping, Fang of Shigeki, Master's Rebuke, Bamboo Grove Archer as like the highlights. And the reason there is Fang of Shigeki and Bamboo Grove Archer are really, really important to uh, having time to do the powerful stuff you're trying to do. And I already talked at length about what's going on with the safekeeping. And then Master's Rebuke is a card that I'm generally a little bit lower on than a lot of people, but I think that it's important here because again, you just don't have that much removal. And it's also another like good cheap tempo play sometimes. So those are like the important green cards. But another notable thing about green in this format at common, so white, for example, I think Spirited Companion and uh, Impure Oath are far better than the other commons. The other, like the common removal is kind of fine, kind of interchangeable, lower level than Spirited Companion and Impure Oath. And then most of the common creatures are like a step down from most of the common removal. But, you know, it has like really high peak and then it's like pretty flat. Green, I think, is doesn't have that high peak. It's not like, oh, these are the two green cards that like are really important in every green deck. I think that there are just a lot of acceptable green cards. Uh, so kind of like the next tier of like fine playables and green, four blue-green decks, Jukai Trainee, Tales of Masters Shiro, Harmonious Emergence, Fade into Antiquity, Commune with Spirits. But th- there are plenty of others that are just, you know, this is a fine card to play. You know, like I'm never excited to play the 3-2 enchantment creature that can spend six mana to put a counter on something, but it's not bad if you have to. So, but again, you know, like for the most part, I don't think that those, the the commons in blue and green in general are like, it's all pretty interchangeable. It's not what your deck is fundamentally about. And what you really want to figure out is 
like which of these cards are going to let you take best advantage of your good cards. So like if your best cards are Behold the Unspeakable and Besage Reaches Skyward, then you're a lot more interested in Communist Spirits than if your best cards are Cap Attack Wrecker and Blossom Prancer, because it's big difference if your Communist Spirits can find your best cards versus if, you're, if your Communist Spirits can't find your best cards. And if you're doing a lot of splashing, then obviously like you're a lot more interested in your Tanukis and your Grafted Growths so that you can like cast your splash stuff. And it's very worth being interested in those cards so that you can cast the splash stuff because the splash stuff gives you access to like a lot more power than you have without it. Like I think that this deck is way, way, way better if you have access to cards like Imperial Oath and Comedy of Terrible Secrets than if you, like I, I just think those are a lot better than if you're spending the mana on, that you could be spending on those on like a Preserver or a Tanuki or something. If you're not splashing, another thing that I want to mention, again, I, I mentioned that the removal is a little bit more valuable, but I, I have run into trouble myself with not having enough interaction in straight blue-green, so you do really want to prioritize it. One card to look for in particular, Spinning Wheel Kick, I think is a card that I haven't played a ton. I know that it's strong. I've played it in decks where I thought it was pretty bad, and I've played it in decks where it's amazing, and I've mostly come to the conclusion that the real thing that matters is how long are your games? How likely are you to have a lot of mana? It's less important how big your creatures are or how good they are at fighting or something. It's more just like, am I going to play a game that's long enough that's like playing big board stalls where we're both going to end up in much stuff in play? If so, this is going to be awesome. Am I like trying to be aggressive? And like, if my opponent has like one blocker, am I going to want to kill it so I can attack with my stuff? If so, this is going to be pretty bad. Another card I want to talk about specifically is Careful Consideration. That's the enchantment that gives a creature plus one plus three reach and taps for two green, or you can channel it to get a one one mana creature. I think that this card is pretty good in most straight blue green decks, because I think that the ramping is really valuable when you're playing that kind of tempo game that I was talking about. But I think it's really, really bad if you're splashing, because if you're splashing, you often want to play cards that are dedicated to fixing your mana, and those cards often result in having a higher land count, or well, a higher, not land, but a higher mana source count than you would normally have. And you don't want to add to your mana source count with careful consideration because it gives you additional green mana when you already have green mana. So it's very, very similar to getting colorless mana out of it. And it's not helping you like reach your good number of sources in your different colors. And it's like making it a little bit more likely that you flood where you just like don't have enough high impact stuff and you just have mana sources. And you can't really cut a land for it because you need enough lands to like get it going and find your green and all that. So it ends up being pretty awkward when you are worried about like the colors of your mana. But if you're just like straight blue green and your game plan is, you know, play like a Fang or something or maybe like a Network Disruptor and then you know, play that and then start playing kind of those like higher impact four and five drops ahead of time, then, you know, it's really helping with this like proactive big creature kind of like red green feel deck that you can sort of end up in. So very much only good sometimes, but does have some sweet spots. Also, 
particularly good if you have colossal sky turtle and season renewal so that sometimes when you are especially with low interaction blue green decks you might play games where you like ramp to the point where you want to spend your mana on looping sky turtle season but not enough stuff is actually like dying and so there's like no way to get value there and that's where you can use channeling careful consideration to make sure that you have something productive to do with your loop and you end up making this like really weird eight mana sprout swarm that makes mana guys and i've found it nice to have in decks that can do that again pretty niche i do think that in general the loops like season plus sky turtle or shigeki instead of one of those things or whatever you end up finding really change what's going on with your blue-green decks, because I talked about how you often don't have enough ability against the, like, uh, multicolored decks or some of the, like, Esper control type decks. You have enough ability a lot more often if you have a an unbounded graveyard loop. And when that happens, then you can, you know, prioritize... I need to find, you know, some kind of like evasive threat, like a Sky Swimmer Koi or something that's going to let me like kill those control decks. And you can focus more on, okay, I just need to establish my loop, grind my loop, iterate the loop and win. And the biggest hurdle to that is going to be the fact that the loop finds threats, but not answers, assuming that it's the, the, the Sky Turtle season deck that can get back all of your creatures and enchantments, but can't get back your instants and sorceries. You want to make sure in those those spots where you're that deck that you have enough supporting um, instant sorcery type spells that you can answer any like of the bomb type engine style creatures your opponent might have, you know, like Tameshi and Kiki Fable the Mirror Breaker and stuff like that. So that your loop actually gives you enough ability instead of just like losing your opponent's rare. I guess that's to say, pay attention to whether your like deck is about actually having inevitability or whether it's about like this big proactive kind of like ramp aggro space and draft them a little bit differently and prioritize interaction removal, maybe even counter spells more highly in the inevitability version. This deck wants to splash a lot. Depending on your splash colors, uh, there's a lot of other advice I'd have. And most of that can be found in the archetypes that correspond, well, the multicolor podcast and the episodes that uh, kind of correspond to the other color pairs that have overlaps here. But it's all, you know, you want to splash like the good value cards in the removal and just become like those kind of decks. The more you're splashing, the less you're kind of like in the uniquely blue-green space and the more you just become a kind of typical multicolor deck. So I think that's basically what I have to kind of add to the discussion about blue-green specifically. So I'm going to turn it over to Twitch chat for any questions. First, I want to thank the uh, new patrons this week. It's been a little bit more than a week because I was gone for a while, but thank you, Kevin, John, Yang, and Blue Soda. Really appreciate the support. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so chat, does anybody have any questions for me? First up, how many Tamios safekeeping is ideal? Like I said, I think it kind of depends on like what your creatures look like. Uh, the more you're like splashing and playing like all value creatures, the fewer you need, the more you have like, especially the like high impact sagas, like 
Visage reaches Skyward or, you know, any of the just like four plus mana creatures where most of the value is in their body, the more I think you want like two, maybe even three of them. The more you are kind of in the like normal multicolor space, the more it's like a one to two kind of thing. I think in particular, Harmonious Emergence really, really loves safekeeping because it's just so easy to put it on a forest and then attack with Vigilance and have it up and it stops a lot of the bad things that can happen to you. And it also does a really good job of like disguising the fact that you're holding it, that you have it up. If you're playing Emergence, then like a bunch, (laughs) you know, probably not four uh, unless you have like a lot of Emergences and that's just like the thing that you're doing. But I, I think... In general, on average, like when you're like a blue-green deck rather than like a multicolor control deck, I think you probably want about two safekeepings. Uh, Okay, so this is about whether there's any special consideration to having multiple Bamboo Grove Archers and then the 3-4 that lets your modified defenders attack and then ways to modify. If your ways to modify are, you know, pretty incidental, like, you know, I'm happy to play the Bamboo Grove Archers anyway. And then if you're good at having some incidental modify, I could see playing the three fours. I haven't done so myself, but it's like conceivable there's something there. I don't think that it's something that you should be like going out of your way to set up. But if you're in that space, I think it could be fine to, you know, play a couple of those guys. How does Grafted Growth compare with the other fixing options like Terrarium and Network Terminal? I discussed this more in the like multicolor episode, but it really depends on like what your cards are. Like, you know, Terrarium is basically just like, do you want to spend turn two or spend turn three on your fixing? And then Grafted Growth versus Network Terminal is like, are you more likely to have a creature in play when you on turn three, or are you more likely to like have an artifact eventually? And then also side quest, are you specifically trying to splash things that cost two mana of a color such that Grafted Growth does it by itself? I find that given my priorities, I generally prefer Network Terminal because I'm generally more likely to play a longer game, have like another artifact eventually. But uh, I think the shorter your games are, the better Grafted Growth is because it like fixes harder and the counter like helps you right away. Whereas the network terminal is only better if you kind of like get into a board stall where you have like a lot of time to devote like it and another artifact and mana to trying to improve your hand. So like grafted growth is going to be better in any of these like more like proactive blue green type decks. But most of the time you don't want either one of them unless you're like playing more colors. It, it depends, but they're pretty close. Halfen would, I say, personally, my blue-green decks end up being blue-green plus a splash. I can remember exactly one blue-green deck I've had that was only playing blue and green cards. Uh, I almost always play an extra color, at least as a splash. How often do you find yourself splashing Kami of Terrible Secrets with the amount of artifacts and enchantments? Whenever possible. I love County of Terrible Secrets. I'm very happy to go out of my way to like have black mana to cast it and to have artifacts to use it. I think that it adds a lot to uh, decks in this space. Yeah, I, I would say most of the time that I see it and there's not like a really good uncommon in the pack, I'm likely to take it and try to make it work. 
regarding Tell Me of Terrible Secrets, if I think I'm in a spot where it's going to be realistic to get the artifacts. When you're like blue-green and it's past kind of very early in the draft, if I don't have any artifacts, I'm not going to like hope that I just like magically get some virus beetles or terrariums or something and then you have to let it go. But if I like if it's early or if I have some artifacts, then I expect that I'm going to be able to make it work and I'm willing to work for it. What cards are you frequently splashing in blue-green that aren't rares? So don't want to try to list all the uncommons, but in red, the most likely splashes are Twin Shot Sniper and Kami's Flare, I guess. In white, Imperial Oath, Spirited Companion, Intercessor's Arrest, Repel the Vile, Sometimes Wanderer's Intervention, and at uncommon, potentially Fall, uh, potentially White Shrine, Touch of the Spirit Realm. Uh, in black, potentially Reckoner Raid and Virus Beetle, Kami of Terrible Secrets. Sometimes you end up playing Twisted Embrace, and I don't know if you would really call it a splash, but it can happen in a deck that's kind of like more blue and green than black, but it ends up kind of being in the solid three space most of the time that that's happening. And Gloom Shrieker, and then sometimes like uh, Long Reach of Night. I don't want to say that's an exhaustive list, but those are some. Yeah, mostly removal and value stuff are the kinds of things you're looking to splash. I think this is, you know, just kind of like a slightly, you know, slight twist on the multicolor type space, the green-black type space. Mostly, yeah, mo mostly similar to there, just with a little bit more focus on the tempo element as opposed to like being a little bit more controlling sometimes depending on how things are and then a little bit more focused sometimes on like looping and figuring out how that's going to factor into your game plan anyway that's it for this week we'll be back uh you know in just a few days for the next episode thanks for hanging out in this unusual and not very well advertised weird time slot for this week and we'll be back again to our regularly scheduled time for next episode thanks and i'll see you then